And uh, what a blessing it is tonight to know that there is a water that will quench your thirst better than Gatorade. Amen? And it will quench your thirst eternally. And if you're saved here tonight, which I think a few of you might be based on your reaction to that song, uh, you know what that's talking about. Boy, you ever been working out in your yard? Out in the summer, boy, it's hot down here. You'll sweat here in the south and sweat it down and, you know, trying to get that last bit of work in before it gets dark. And, boy, you're just so thirsty. And you get that drink of water and it refreshes you and fills you in so much. And as good as that is, boy, there's nothing like that refreshment you get from Christ and that quenching of your thirst like you get from Christ. My goodness. Good to see you here tonight. Good to see you in your place. And always good to be back on Sunday night and have an opportunity to go into God's Word one more time before we head out in the week. And I hope you did the will of God this morning and looking forward to what God has planned for us tonight. And at the conclusion of the service again tonight, we'll take a few minutes to say goodbye to a, a few of our graduates. So hang around for that and we'll pray with them. And I have to tell you, as a pastor, it's a blessing to me uh, the last few Sundays as we've uh, bid farewell to a few of our folks going back off to college. Uh, it's been a blessing to watch folks hang around and fellowship and encourage one another. And it's always a good sign for a church when you watch folks who stay after the service and they mingle and fellowship a little bit, not in a rush to get home and see the sitcom that's going to come on, you know, at eight o'clock and stuff like that. It's, it's just good to see. It's been a blessing to me and look forward to that tonight. And so going to kind of jump right into the message if we could. Uh, I do want to remind you, don't forget about Heritage Sunday next Sunday. I'm really excited about that. Uh, 70th anniversary, that's kind of a big one. The 75 is going to be a real big one. Uh, but this next Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity to just take a moment and look back at some of the things God's done through the years. And uh, you could probably give way better record than I could of the blessings of God on this place. Uh, some of you have been here, not quite 70, but some of you have been here uh, a little while and you've seen God bless and God work. And I pray that as we look forward to what God wants to do, we're reminded by what God's already done. So be sure you be here for that. And <clears throat> next Sunday night, I really want to encourage you to be here because I'm not preaching. Amen. You get kind of a break from me and uh, you ought to tell folks he's not preaching Sunday night. So I'm hoping we'll have a good crowd next Sunday night to hear Brother Bartlett come and preach and uh, not, not just the message, but the testimony of faithfulness and a godly heritage through the Bartlett family. And uh, I, uh, I appreciate him being willing to come. I called him and asked him, he said, boy, that's our missions conference. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I said, just pray about it. I'd love to have you come. And the Lord worked it out. So looking forward to a great day in the Lord and, and all that he wants to do. Colossians chapter 2 tonight. Go ahead and be turning there. Colossians chapter number 2. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to look down, if we can, to verse number 6 through verse number 10 and kind of continuing on our series. We really don't have an end to the series in sight, just kind of as the Lord leads us in this on the growing beyond. But I'm uh, going to look at one thing tonight that I believe will help us in our growth together here at Central Baptist Church. Colossians chapter 2, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand. Read verse 6 through verse number 10. We'll pray and let you be seated. <clears throat> Do remember our folks that are out tonight. Know we have some still traveling and uh, getting kids dropped off at college. I know the Matthews are there. My parents are in Florida uh, with uh, his brother. By the way, can you remember him? His name's Billy Andrews. They were able to take the, uh, the breathing tube out, and so he's breathing on his own. But they have uh, detected staph uh, in his lungs now. So pray for him and my dad as he's down there. I know it's his brother, but he, you, know, you can minister to family. That's all right. You don't have to do just strangers. You can minister to family, and he's down there with them. And remember Miss Daphne tonight also having a little trouble with some of the seizures there. I told him we'd pray for them. And so as we'll read and we'll pray, try to remember them as well. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. The Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here again tonight. Thank you for those who are able to make it. And uh, Father, as we mentioned, several are, are not here tonight, and we know why, and there are different needs in their lives, and we pray for them, we lift them up to you, and we ask for grace to be given to them. Father, thank you, Lord, for the, the moving of your spirit, Lord, tonight and, and what you're going to do. Thank you what you've already done today, and I pray you'd work a work in our lives as we seek to uh, grow beyond some things, Lord, to, we, that we might attain and fulfill your will here at Central Baptist Church. Bless the invitation, we pray as well, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> we do a little reading about the church at Colossae. We find out this was a very young church, had a lot of potential, and a church that had a lot of opportunity to go on and fulfill the will of God and uh, to be a shining light for the cause of Christ. Uh, but as we read in chapter number two, we find out that as with most of us, most individuals, most families, and most churches, there were some areas that they needed to grow in. The Apostle Paul recognized those, we just read a few things in verse 6 through verse number 10, uh, that he was encouraging them that they needed to continue in and to grow in. If you look down, if you would, to verse number 7, you see, see a kind of a work in progress. The Bible says, verse 6, the Bible says, walk ye in him, and it tells how to do that in verse number 7, by being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therewith, uh, therein with thanksgiving. So we see this church as kind of a work in progress, and I want you to know tonight, every Christian ought to be just that. Every one of us ought to be a work in progress, continually growing in the word and the will of God, and I hope I'm growing until the day I meet the Lord. I really do. I enjoy growing. I enjoy learning more about the Lord, and I enjoy becoming more like Christ, and that's what God has called us all to. But as so often is the case, there are areas in our life where there are things missing. Uh, you know, as we, if we build something or we put a recipe together, I've heard my wife say a few times when she would make one recipe and it would turn out really well, and then she'd make that recipe again, and she would taste it, and she'd say, something's missing here. You know, it tastes close, but there's something missing in that, and uh, the other night she made her, I call it her famous lasagna. My wife's lasagna is out of this world, and uh, she said, it just tastes like something's missing. I said, it didn't taste like anything missing to me, and that was evident by the two or three plates of it that I had and have subsequently had in the days to follow. That stuff gets better the longer it sits in the fridge, you know? As long as it's not growing something on top of it, I just continue eating on it, you know? And there's something growing on it. If it's something I really like, I'll just scrape it off and pray over it twice and, and keep eating it. But you can tell that oftentimes we'll have some things in place, like in that lasagna, you know, the noodles were there and the meat's there. But she said something might be missing, something small to taste. And oftentimes in our Christian life, we will have certain things in place, certain things we know about and certain things we've learned about and with certain areas we've grown in. But a lot of times there'll be certain areas where we're lacking in some things that we need verse number five, or I'm sorry, verse number seven, we need it to be built up in. Some areas that we need some reinforcing in and some establishing in, as verse 7 uh, kind of tells us. I was thinking about a, a college, uh, a high school football coach we had in our church in Louisiana, and I tried to make it to one or two of his games a year, and uh, being his preacher, I got in free, and that's kind of my favorite prize. And, and so uh, we would go there, and we'd spend time with him at the games, and we would sit in the end zone with his wife. She wouldn't sit up in the stands, because as the coach's wife, she didn't like hearing all the bad things that were said about her husband. And so she would sit there in the, uh, in the end zone, and at the halftime, I went up to him, I said, how are things going? I said, looked all right. How are things going? And here's what he said. 
He said, if we're going to win this thing, we've got to plug some holes. He said, I noticed some gaps that we've got. I noticed some uh, insufficiencies that we're having out there on the field, and we've got to work on that during halftime. But after halftime, we ought to come back out ready to go. And sure enough, they won the game. Why? Because they made adjustments for what they were missing. They plugged the holes and were able to move forward and win the game. Now, as a child of God, we've got to be willing to do that, okay? We can't get just satisfied with the things that we have nailed down. Look, it's good to have the, the Romans road nailed down. That's great. You're going to need it if you go out soul winning, which I hope you do. You're going to need that and win others to Christ. Look, it's good to know how you got saved and a testimony. But there's so many more things in the Word of God that God wants us, as verse 7, to be established in. Things and matters of the faith, rooted, built up in him, established or established in the faith. So this is what God is telling us. There's some areas you need to plug, okay? There's some things that you're ignorant in. Now, don't take that as an insult tonight, okay? I'm not calling you ignorant, but there are things oftentimes that we don't know that we need to know. That in order to be and to do all that God's called us to be and all God's called us to do, we have to plug those holes. We have to fill those gaps. But sometimes we enjoy being ignorant, I want you to think about the word ignorant tonight. The word ignorant and the word ignore have the same root to them. Tonight, there are some things as a child of God you cannot afford to ignore. You say, well, look, I know there's some things I need to know about this and that, but I do have these things nailed down, and we choose to ignore some things rather than become rooted, built up, established in the faith. And I want you to know tonight, there's some things, if you ignore them, could be very costly to you in your walk with God. I, uh, I was reading on Fox News, uh, it was last year around Christmas, I believe it was, a 14-year-old girl was at a place on the Colorado River called the Horseshoe Bend. I don't think I've ever been there myself, but I took the time to Google it and go look at it. It's beautiful panorama views of the Colorado River, where the Colorado River makes a full U-turn. Go home and look at it. It's one of God's most beautiful creations that I believe he made when the flood came. And the, the story in Fox News, I almost said the Bible said all right, if you heard me this morning say that George Washington was in the Bible, I apologize, okay? I had several people ask me after the service, did you say that the Bible says that George Washington, I did, but I didn't mean it, okay? My wife went back and watched the live stream. She says, yep, you said it. And uh, I'm hoping most of you were asleep by that time and you didn't hear it, but uh, I almost said the Bible says, no, it's just kind of a habit, I'll be honest with you. But the article said that there was a hand railing around that lookout. It's a 700-foot drop into the Colorado River, and uh, the article said that the young lady overstepped the warnings and the guardrails that were there to get a better view, a panorama view, a selfie, and she slipped and she fell. I think it was on Christmas Eve 2018 and fell 700 feet to her death. Now look, the warning was stated. The guardrail was there. Signs are posted. I mean, it's a drop-off. You don't have to be a, a rocket science to realize that is a dangerous area. But she chose to ignore it. She chose to ignore the information that was presented, and what she ignored cost her her life. Another story very similar years ago, went to Yellowstone National Park, and my goodness, if, if God spent some time on a few, a few million acres, it was Yellowstone. My goodness, he put so much beautiful stuff there. You ought to go see it sometime uh, for yourself. And uh, while we were there, they told us to not leave the paths around the geyser field, the geyser basin, I believe is what it's called. That's where the ground just kind of shoots up everywhere. And you walked along this, this path through the geyser field, and you had these beautiful pools of boiling water off to the side. It's just beautiful. They have one called the Morning Glory Pool. If you've ever seen it, it's just a beautiful iridescent blue, and it's just an amazing sight to see. 
Well, a lot of people have taken through the years and gone uh, basically swimming in these what they call hot pots. They like to go soak in these hot springs which the water can get over 200 degrees and what they don't realize is that water is acidic and it's deadly and can cause blindness. 2016, a 23-year-old Oregon man decided he was going to do that, go hot potting and slip off down in the water and he got off the path. Now, all the signs were posted. Stay on the path. You get off the path, you could fall in, and while he was on his way to, 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 to hot pot in one of those geyser basins, he slipped through a thin place in the crust of the earth, fell down into a boiling hot pot over 200 degrees, and all that they recovered was his flip-flops and his wallet. The water is acidic, and it dissolved his body. His sister was there, and his sister watched the whole thing happen. What a tragic event. Why? Because he chose to ignore the knowledge that was posted. He was given the information that he needed to safely meander through and enjoy the beauty that God had created, but he chose to ignore the information that he was given, and what he ignored cost him his life. No, folks, I want you to know, as sad as that is, as devastating as that is, and just horrific as those instances are, I see all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, so many Christians who ignore the information that God's given us, information that would root us and build us up and establish us in the faith, but we choose to ignore it, and it costs us. Now, folks, look, if we're going to get this thing done and fulfill the will of God in our life, we're going to have to grow beyond, watch me now, ignorance. Okay, I'm not calling you ignorance, ignorant tonight. I mean, anybody that, that says George Washington's in the Bible, he's probably ignorant, okay? So I'm right there with you. But we can't afford to ignore the information that God has given to root us, build us up, and establish us in the faith. And so tonight we're going to look at a very simple thought of growing beyond ignorance, okay? And I believe these verses will show us just how to do that. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And he begins telling us how to do that. But watch the change in tone, excuse me, in verse number eight. He begins verse eight with the word beware. Beware. Now, when God says beware of something, I, I think we better pay attention to it. So number one tonight, if we're going to grow beyond ignorance, number one, it begins with a concern. It begins with concern. Verse number eight, the word beware is a word of concern. God is telling the people through the Apostle Paul at the church at Colossae, there's something you need to be concerned about. Now listen to me tonight, folks. If there's anything we ought to be concerned about, we're concerned about our 401Ks, nothing wrong with that in the world. We're concerned about our our sports team and how spring practices or or, or, our games are coming along. We're concerned about a lot of things tonight that in the end and eternity are not going to mean anything. But if we're going to fulfill the will of God, not only individually but collectively as a church, we've got to be concerned about the things that God says we're concerned about. Now, what we don't know is something we ought to be concerned about. The things that we're not aware of yet. Because what we are unaware of can kill us spiritually. That word beware is interesting. Look, I don't try to be a dictionary here for you, but that's the way I learn, okay? I love words. I love looking up words and seeing what they mean. And the word beware is different than the word aware. Do you know you can be aware of something without being aware of something? The word beware means you're keeping it in the forefront of your thought. 
You're keeping it in mind. You're, be, you're keeping that as part of your focus, okay? Look, most of us are aware of the rapture, okay? I think most of us, you're here on a Sunday night, you know and you're aware of the rapture. It is something that is in your mind somewhere, but it's kind of bouncing around in there. Those that are fulfilling the will of God and those that are living their life with a sense of spiritual urgency are those that are being aware of the rapture. See, there's a big difference. You don't just have it bouncing around in there. It's something you keep in the forefront of your thought. So God is saying in verse number eight, there's something I want you to keep in the forefront of your thought. Beware or be aware lest any man spoil you. You see, the concern tonight that we've got to keep in the forefront of our thoughts and our minds is not just not fulfilling what we could have, but losing what we already have. Notice the word spoil. Beware lest any man spoil you. That means to rob you. You see, if you're unconcerned tonight about the things that you don't know, not only are you not going to fulfill what you could have, you're going to miss out and lose the things you already have. You've got to ultimately care. Now, what's interesting tonight is what we are not, but what we need to be, is something that ought to concern us. What we are not, but what God is calling us to be, is something we ought to be concerned about. We ought to be concerned when we don't measure up to what God says we ought to be measuring up to. I remember my my daughter, I'm trying not to talk about her in the pulpit. I told my wife I quit doing that. This is not embarrassing wherever she's at, somewhere, somewhere. She's probably in my office eating popcorn in the recliner. We would take her to the doctor as a baby, and they would measure her, you know, and, and they weigh her. I was so nervous when they would do that because I was like, you know, if she's lost weight, they're going to throw us in jail. Said malnutrition, we're not feeding this kid. And they would weigh her and she'd gain like five ounces. Yes, I was so excited. We're doing this parenting thing. Hey, she's gaining weight, you know. I, that's something I, I have very well down pat. And so no problem, I shouldn't be able to pass that along to my daughter. But they would measure her. And they would see how much she's growing. And they would say she's in the 30th or the 50th or the 70th percentile. They were showing where she ought to be in relation to most kids her age. You see, there was kind of a target area she needed to be. And if she was kind of not growing, they have a reason for concern. Tonight, can I tell you, as a Christian, God has a standard for his children. It's kind of a growth chart, a a flow chart of how we should be growing. And if you're not growing as a Christian, if you're not filling in those gaps, if you're the same person today spiritually as you were last year, something's wrong. And you ought to be concerned about that. You can't say, well, you know what? I got saved and I learned the Romans road. I went through starting point. Then I even went through discipleship and I'm good. Look, you're not done yet. You need to grow the rest of your life. And if you're not concerned about who you're not, something is bad wrong. All right? So number one tonight, it begins with a concern. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. You see, if you're not concerned, you're not only going to move forward, you're going to lose ground. You're going to get spoiled. I love the word spoil here because we use the term in, in modern vernacular, spoiler alert. God's giving a spoiler alert in verse number eight. He says, look, if you don't care enough to be on guard and to look into what you don't know and who you're not yet, you're going to be spoiled. And how often do we see people get saved, they get in Sunday school just for a little while, next thing you know they're out of church and they've been spoiled. They lost what ground they had. Why? Simply simply foot. They were were unconcerned. They didn't care enough to put up a guard. We read this in Matthew chapter 13. You know the, the account, the Bible says that men sowed good seed in their field. And what happened? 
The Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. While they slept. So watch this. They made progress. They planted a crop, and it was a good crop. They sowed good seed. But then after they got to a certain point, instead of posting a guard, they took a nap. And while they were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed tares among the weed. You see, that taking a nap and not posting a guard, you know what that shows? Unconcern. They weren't as, look, they they worked really hard to plow the field. They worked really hard to get the seed into the ground, but they didn't have enough concern to guard what was growing. Listen to me. If you don't guard what's growing, the devil's going to spoil it. Like the fowls of the air are going to come and snatch away the seed, the word that was sown. You've got to keep up your guard. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because you're adversary. Some of you are really nice people, and it's going to be hard for me to imagine you having an enemy in this world. Kind of like me. I know that's probably hard for you to believe that there are some people in this world that just don't like me. Go figure that. But every one of us have an adversary. The devil, as a roaring lion... I love the fact that he's not called a lion. He's called as a lion. He's just pretending. Aren't you glad we serve the real lion of the tribe of Judah? The devil's just pretending. But as a lion, the Bible says, seeketh whom he may devour. Do you ever watch those National Geographic shows? It's kind of tough to watch sometimes. Poor little gazelle frolicking along, just enjoying the African savanna. Goes down to the watering hole and just having him a good little old time and Oh, he doesn't see it. Mufasa's over there in the bushes. <laughs> Next thing you know it, Mufasa's got little old antelope by the neck. And, oh, it's so sad. My daughter's like, chase the channel, chase the channel. It's hard to watch sometimes. Oh, mama gazelle's over there. What is she going to do? You know, she just, you know, has to go on about her business. How sad. What happened to that little gazelle? He was not concerned enough. Wasn't concerned about what was about him. Now, folks, listen to me. The adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour, and he's going to pick off those that are unconcerned. You get satisfied with where you're at. You get satisfied with what you got. You know what? I'm not as rooted and built up and established as I should be, but I'm okay with that. You're going to get picked off. Why? Because you're unconcerned. If you don't guard what God is growing in your life, you're going to lose what you've got. I had a man in our church years ago. He, uh, he, he planted a garden in the springtime, which does not coincide with deer season. I'll tell you why that's important in just a minute. He would have these deer come up in his yard, and they're eating his crops. He said, Brother Jeremiah, I put, up a, I put up an electric fence. I put out, you know, pie plates that, you know, make noise, tin plates that make noise in the air. And I put out this chemical, and it just doesn't work. He says, but I, I've got a plan. One morning, about uh, 5.30 or 6 o'clock, I get a phone call. You like deer meat? This was in April. I says, I do. He says, well, I got one over here. I says, where did you get it? Because it's not deer season, and I am an ethical person. I love deer meat, but I'm going to be ethical about it. He says, well, I shot one in my backyard. And I says, oh, I can't take that. You better call the game warden. He says, I already did. The game warden says, I could give it away. I couldn't keep it, but I could give it away, and I want to give it to you. You're my preacher. So, by the way, he's one of my favorite members. (laughs) Throw that out there. And I said to myself, I says, "Uh, how did you get him? Here's what he said. I got this old broke down truck down there in the woods by my garden. He said, so I decided I'm just going to spend the night in the truck. And so he spent the night in his old beat up rusty truck with his 30 alt six. When those deer walked out, I'm hoping it was daylight, but when those deer walked out, he let them have it. 
What was he doing? He was willing to go above and beyond to guard what was growing. Why? He was concerned about his crop. Listen, if you're concerned about your crop, that means what you're going to produce in your life, the fruit that you could have, you've got to guard what's growing, and it begins with concern. You've got to be concerned about not only what you could be, but what God's already given you. That's why God says, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Now, this is interesting. I've looked up the, the, how many times in the Bible the word unawares is mentioned. In the New Testament, it's mentioned four times. All four times in the New Testament, you find the word unaware, which is like unconcerned. It's mentioned negatively, unawares. Twice it mentions false doctrine doctrine coming into the church. Uh, Once it mentions entertaining angels, uh, unawares. And once mentions the rapture, being unaware of that. But it's always negative. Can I tell you, when you get to the place in your life where you're unconcerned about what you're not, and you get unconcerned about what you don't know, you're going to be spoiled, You've got to be concerned. That's why he says in verse number eight, beware. Paul says, you better not take this matter casually. Do you know those people who fell off of the, uh, the horseshoe bend lookout? They took the warning casually. The young man who fell down in the crust of the earth and was, was dissolved by the acidic water there at Yellowstone, can I tell you what he did? He took the warning casually. Now, this is interesting. I've given you a lot of words today, haven't I? You're going to go home with a Bible lesson and an English lesson all at once. The word casualty is a blend of two words. The word casual and the word penalty. Isn't that amazing? A casualty is a mixture of somebody who took a, the penalty casual. They were too easy about it. They were casual about what, what they needed and what they were to be doing and who they were supposed to be. They were casual about it and they paid the penalty. That's what a casualty is. Can I tell you why so many churches are becoming casualties for the cause of Christ? Can I tell you why so many families are becoming casualties? How many young people are becoming casualties? You know why? Because they're too casual about things they should have beware about, and they're paying the penalty. That's what casualties are. We see it in Lot. Lot took casual moving his family next door to Sodom. He took it casual, no big deal. I know who they are, and I know what they do, and I know what they believe, but we're just going to kind of get close to them, and look, I know it's a danger and a threat. Lot knew. He knew who they were, but he took it casual, and as the fire and brimstone rained down, and his wife would die, and he would raise up two ungodly nations in Ammon and Moab, he paid the penalty for being casual. Tonight, listen, do not take what you're not and who you're supposed to be too casual or else you'll become a casualty. You'll pay the penalty. Daniel, uh, uh, Samson took it casual and paid the penalty. Peter, Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But you know what he said before that? He says, behold. In South Mississippi lingo, it means look a here. Behold means you got to see this. Pay attention. Be aware. Peter beware. Listen, don't just put this in the back of your mind and let it bounce around. Put it in the forefront of your thoughts. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. This isn't grandma's sifter of flour. Man, some of these, some of these guys that are under 40, you're like, huh? There's an antique store next door. Go in there and ask them what a flour sifter looks like. I'm sure they have 1,500 of them over there, okay? You know, you just kind of crank it. The sifting of the wheat in Bible, they would stack up all of the wheat in a stack. They would take a giant winnowing fork, and they would beat it down. 
to separate the kernel from the husk. Jesus says, Peter, you better pay attention, be aware. You better be concerned. Satan wants to have you that he may beat you down to separate what is good from the husk that is there. What did Peter say? Oh, I got this. Peter says, I got this. I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to go with you unto death. And he took it casual and he paid the penalty. Peter became a casualty. Why? Because he was unconcerned. So number one, how do we grow beyond ignorance? It begins with concern. But then notice something interesting. Look up, if you will, to verse number seven. He gives us a prescription on how we can get beyond who we are to who we're supposed to be. The Bible says, verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We could preach verse seven. Uh, we could probably t- preach an eight-week series on verse number seven alone, but we're gonna try to hurry and cover it all in one night. Number two, notice it continues with a conflict. It continues with a conflict. Now stick with me and I'll explain that to you. You're not gonna become rooted, established, and grounded without there being a conflict. The devil cannot afford you to become rooted and established in the faith. He can't afford that. That's why he comes after you, and here's what the devil does. I call this a Satan specialty. You see it in verse number eight. The Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Satan works very good by sabotaging through substitution. Okay, so verse seven tells you how God wants to build you up, establish you in the faith. This is how God wants to complete you, verse number seven. God said, if you wanna be complete in who you're supposed to be, verse seven is the blueprint, but beware, verse eight, the devil's gonna substitute these things and you're gonna have a little bit of a conflict in your life. So let's look at how these two work. This is kind of a beautiful picture, the way this kind of falls together. Verse seven says he wants us to be rooted in him, rooted and built up in him. So let's look at that rooted in him. You think about the terminology that God is using here. If there's anybody who knows roots, it's God because he created them. Kind of interesting. He knows all about them. And so in order to understand why he's telling them they need to be rooted, I had to do a lot of reading on roots and you'll find out some really cool stuff about roots. You just get a science lesson along with the English lesson too. Roots are very important to grow trees and to grow uh, plants in order to produce fruit. They've got to be rooted, and here's what they do. Roots provide the nutrients that are needed in order to produce fruit. So if that plant is gonna produce fruit, it's got to put down roots, and here is what's interesting about roots. My daughter was just blown away when I shared this fact with her today. Roots grow as long as the plant does. If that tree or that plant lives 30 years, the roots will continue to grow for 30 years because in order for that plant to grow, the roots have to constantly be seeking out the nutrients that are needed in order for the plant on top to not only grow, but to produce fruit. The roots never stop looking for nutrients so that the plant will grow. Now, what a beautiful picture tonight for us in Christ. We should never stop seeking out the nutrients and growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as a child of God so that we can continue to grow and produce fruit. But if you're satisfied with who you are, you're not going to be rooted. It's interesting. The Bible says rooted up in him. Rooted up in him. Roots provide nutrients, but here's something else really neat. Roots provide stability. I remember after Katrina hit... 
Uh, we were living here, and I hadn't been married about two or three weeks, and walking through the woods there at the camp and saw all these trees blown over and uh, trees broken off. And we went over to the backside of our property, and there's an oak tree that got blown over. And that oak tree, I, I don't know, it probably had to be six or seven years old. It was about this big around, huge oak tree. What was neat is I took a picture of my wife standing by the root mass of the tree. And the roots went out, and the roots went down a little, but they hit a rocky area. They hit a hard pan of dirt that was there, and rather than breaking through the dirt, they just kind of turned back up. So when the wind began to blow, that tree did not have very good root system. It didn't put way down roots. You see, the tree was way bigger than its root system, and it blew it over. Now, folks, listen, the Bible's telling us if you don't want to get blown over, beware. Listen, if you don't want to get knocked down, you've got to put down roots so that you can grow and then roots so you can stay. God says, I want you to be rooted in Christ. Listen, there's nothing better than to be rooted in Christ. But you've got to be concerned about that. You've got to be concerned about the winds that are coming. I read a sad story this week, and I want you to know, anytime I hear about a, a Christian or professing Christian falling or denying their faith, I don't glory in it. It breaks my heart. Neither should you glory in it, because that means we lost another one. I read a story this week about a man by the name of, I think his name is Marty Sampson. don't know him personally. You may have saw this circulating around some of the Christian blogs. Marty Sampson is a Christian songwriter, worship leader for the very far left Hillsong Church. By the way, Mom and Dad, if you've got Hillsong on it, you better run from it, okay? I want you to listen to what he posted this week. This is a worship leader. This is a Christian songwriter who has professed profession of Christ for many years. Here's what he's posted this week. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. I am so happy now and so at peace with the world, it's crazy. He says, uh, let me skip down here real quick. How many preachers fall? No one talks about that. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They also become some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Christianity just seems to me like another religion, and that's the point. Now, here's someone who professed Christ, but listen closely, who had a very shallow faith. What you're reading here is the testimony of someone that got blown over. You're reading the testimony of someone who looked like a big, tall oak tree standing strong. I mean, worship leader and Christian songwriter, but he was not rooted in Christ. Because when we're rooted in Christ and we put down our roots deep, listen, the winds will blow. And as the house that was founded upon a rock, it can beat vehemently against it, but it can't bring it down. This is why it's important. You better make sure you're rooted in Christ, not the alternative in verse number eight. Look at the alternative. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. You see, the alternative to being rooted in Christ is the philosophy of man. You read about the Hillsong Church. Go read about it. You'll find that their philosophy is fully rooted in the philosophies of the world. That's where they got them from. You should be no surprise when you're rooted in the philosophies of the world and the ideas of the world and the rudiments of this world. It should be no surprise when you get blown over. Why? Because instead of being rooted in him, you're rooted in the philosophies what is the philosophies? Well, it's simply this. It's the accepted reasoning. Be careful for the sake of being at one with everybody else, being rooted in what's accepted reasoning of the world. Remember, the disciples almost got caught up in this. Now, the disciples gives me hope that if they were tempted at this, I better beware of this as well. 
Remember when they were, the account where they were feeding the 5,000 and the Bible says they came to a desert place? They look at Jesus and they say, how are we going to feed all of these people? How are we going to give them all what they need? It's a desert place. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. Let's send them home. You see, they had reasoned it in their minds that this is the only way that this could happen. And there was no way that it could happen. For a moment there, they almost missed out on an opportunity by letting their philosophy get in the way of what Christ wanted to do. I want you to know, often in my life, I find that what God wants to do through my life doesn't always line up with my philosophy. If my philosophy doesn't line up with what Christ wants to do in my life, my philosophy needs to go. I mean, look, ever since social media came on the scene, everybody becomes a philosopher. I just love it. A philosopher and a photographer. Everybody's a philosopher and a photographer now. It's just amazing to me. Since social media came out and people quote themselves. That's like a no-no, okay? Don't quote yourself. And we're, we have all of these philosophies and all of these ideas, and I'm not saying all of them are bad, but if they contradict with what thus saith the Lord, your philosophy's got to go because you've got to be rooted in Christ, not rooted in your philosophy. Because in the end, look, good ideas are great, but they won't hold up against the wind. So the Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. So watch, you can be rooted in Christ or rooted in philosophy. But then notice verse 7 says, not only rooted, but built up in him. Built up in him, in Christ. Look, that's where that solid building material comes from. If you want to build a solid house, you got to use solid material, okay? Look, I love dirt cheap building supply as much as the next guy, but you better make sure it's all there. My goodness, try to install once a faucet that I got up there and $90 faucet and I got it 90% off because 90% of it was gone when I got to the house. Man, it looked good. But there's some really important washers that need to be in that set. And you put the water to it, spraying everywhere. What happened? I didn't have good material. If you want to be built up and be long-lasting, you've got to be built up in Christ. But look at the alternative in verse 8. Verse 8, rather than being built up in him, you can be puffed up in vain deceit. So the options is, look, the conflict, you can either be rooted in Christ or rooted in philosophy, or you can be built up in Christ, or you can be puffed up in vain deceit. Vain deceit is what I want and what I think and my ideas, and vain deceit meaning you have fooled yourself. Have you ever done that? I, look, I've been talking a lot about my hair lately. Humility, uh, somebody told me once, never miss a good opportunity to be humiliated. So I talk a lot about it so that I can be humble, amen. It's humbling, and I get to thinking to myself, well, it's not that bad. It doesn't look bad. And then you go to Walmart, and you do the self-checkout, and they have cameras right over the self-checkout thing. And there we were yesterday. I'm looking up the screen. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty bad. I convinced myself it wasn't that bad, but it is. It's bad. For years, I have three cowlicks on the top of my head, and I hated them, hated them. Why did you put these calyx? I wish those calyx weren't there. They're not anymore. They fell out. Be careful what you pray for. God will answer your prayer. I wish I could pray up deer in a deer stand as good as I could pray my calyx away. We'd be all right. Folks, listen to me. If you're not careful, rather than being built up in him, you'll be puffed up in vain deceit. And understand this. When you get yourself all puffed up in your ideas and what you want and what you think, all it makes you is a bigger target for the devil. Get all puffed up. Go ahead. I think I got this figured out. I'm going to do what I want to do. Rather than be built up in him, I'm going to go with what I think. And you just made yourself a bigger target for the devil. Quick word, don't let opinion be the obstacle to your obedience. 
Don't let your opinion and your vain deceit be the obstacle to your being obedient to what God says. He says, be built up in him. Look at the last thing real quick in verse number seven. Rooted, built up, and then he says, established in the faith. Be careful what you're established in. Be careful what you're built upon. We lived in Louisiana. We kept looking for a house, wanted to buy a house, buy a house. And anytime we'd find one that we thought we could afford, we found out why it was in our price range. Louisiana, the ground is soft and squishy. I mean, we had crawfish popping up between the expansion joints in our parking lot at our church. It was very fitting for Bayou Baptist Church to have crawfish in the parking lot, but not good for the concrete. The concrete would crack. Why? Because the ground underneath it was not solid. It was not established. Be careful what you build upon. The Bible says, be established in the faith. That's what God desires, that we be built upon something solid and strong. But the alternative in verse number eight, be lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit as the tradition of men. Look, I am a traditional guy. I mean, uh, around Christmas time, I have all these Christmas traditions that I have to live up to. I'm talking about certain places we eat on certain days. Uh, I mean, certain places I shop for gifts. I'm a traditional guy. But be careful tonight being rooted in traditions of men, i.e. the Pharisees. They chose rather to go with their tradition and be established in their tradition rather than being what verse 7 says, being established in the faith. Be careful tonight. So, The conflict, you're going to have to choose. The conflict is always between two. Elijah, this morning, how long will you halt between two opinions? The devil loves providing a substitute. And God says, verse 7 is what you need to fill in the blanks that you have, the void you have, be rooted, built up, established in the faith. The devil's going to substitute, verse number 8, philosophy, vain deceit, and the traditions of men. Be careful. You have to resolve the conflict. You get to decide. But here's the good news. Look at verse 9. I'll give you the last one and we'll be done. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of God, the Godhead, bodily. Verse 10 is very important. And ye are complete in him. Boy, verse number 10, there's the goal. That's the goal, that we be complete. You know, my wife in the refrigerator, it always goes back to food, doesn't it? In the refrigerator, my wife has some Swiss cheese. I am a cheese guy. I love just about any kind of cheese that you can make or, or, or buy. And um, she has this Swiss cheese in the refrigerator. And you know they get a good deal on that stuff because there's holes all in it. You know, they have to add a few extra slices to make up for the holes that are missing in that cheese. And, you know, I think a lot of times in my life it does look like Swiss cheese. There's some areas that I got filled in, but there's some areas that got some holes in it. And those holes are what God wants to fill that I can be what verse 10 says, complete in him. So number one, it begins with concern. Number two, it continues with a conflict. But number three, it's complete in Christ. Verse 10 is the finish line. Notice it's an emphatic statement. I love when the word of God makes emphatic statements. That's not something our society embraces very much. We like to have our little bit of wiggle room. But verse 10 says, and ye are complete in him. That's it. If we want to go from where we are, having some holes that we need to fill, take the blueprint of verse number 7, and verse number 10 gives us the outcome that we're complete in him. Now, here's what's interesting. The in him is the important part. Look at verse 5. He says, in case you didn't get the point, let me make sure you understand a reoccurring theme. Watch it real quick. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. 
joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. Watch the last two words, in Christ. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, rooted and built up in him. There it is again. Look down to verse number 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He keeps repeating this, in him, in him, in him. Why? Because he wants us to understand, listen, it's not enough that you take Christ and make him part of your life. That's not what in him is. Say, you know what? I got a little slice of of Christ, and he fills in this portion of the pie graph. That's not what it's about. Being in him and in Christ is not making Christ part of your life. It's taking your whole life and making it part of his. That's what in him means. Now, folks, he's given us the recipe tonight. He's telling us how that we can be, be complete, but it's only in him. The sad thing is we look at so many different areas and so many different places only to come to the place when we're 70, 80 years old in our life and decide, you know what, maybe I'll try this route. And oh, what a shame that we missed so much of our life when we could have been complete all along in him. This week at chapel, I preached 2 Corinthians 5, 17 uh, to our kids about being a new creature. What does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If any man be in Christ, that's the secret. Listen, how many of y'all like raising canes? Amen? Good stuff? I don't know what they put in that sauce, but it's good. Sometimes I have to look around, make sure nobody's looking at the red light, and you stick your tongue down in there and just eat you some of that stuff. It's just good to eat by itself. Some of you are like, what? You didn't try it. Go try it. It's good stuff. Man, I've tried to recreate that stuff and Google how they make that stuff. It's just a secret. There's a secret in that sauce. McDonald's sauce is not very secret. It's just Thousand Island dressing, okay? Some of you just learned something for the first time tonight. That's all it is. Man, there's, that stuff's good. There's a secret to that sauce. Can I tell you the secret to the Christian sauce tonight is realizing only will you be complete in him. That's it. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. It's in him. That's why he repeats it so often. You go on verse 11 through verse number 13. Gives you a beautiful picture of how Christ died and rose and in him we have the power that he has. Why? Because we've hidden our life in him. Nicodemus would tell you it's not in religion. Zacchaeus would tell you it's not in wealth, it's not in social status, but you'll see Job chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect. The word perfect means complete. Job had the voids filled in his life. He was spiritually mature. Why? Because Job understood the only way that you'll find completeness is in God and in Christ. So number three tonight, if you want to be the Christian you could be, to fill in the gaps that you do have, to do what you can only do through Christ, it's got to be in him. Folks, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to give myself an excuse on why I don't need to know something in this book. I don't know about you, I'm very good at giving myself excuses. I'm very good at telling why I don't need to go soul winning. I mean, man, I can do that. I got too much to do in the office. I got, man, I got the stuff to take care of. I got, I got praying to do. And man, I got all, I got to read my Bible and I'll write myself an excuse on going, which he so explicitly says all throughout scripture, just go. I'm good at excusing myself, but Paul Bear Bryant said this, and I'm quoting an Alabama guy, Brother Gary. If it's a good one, I got to use it. Success is when you talk yourself out of your excuses. Success is when you talk yourself out of your excuses. I don't want to be an incomplete Christian. I don't. I don't want to be a Swiss cheese Christian. 
Or yeah, we got certain things in place, but there's things missing. I want to be a Christian who is concerned about who I'm not and what I'm not doing. I want to be rooted, built up, established in the faith. I don't listen, I don't want to be spoiled by philosophy, vain deceit, as the traditions of men. I don't want to go that route. So how do I become a complete Christian? I've got to grow beyond ignorance. I can't choose to ignore what God says I need to know. I can't choose to ignore who God says I'm supposed to be. And if I get to the place where I use verse number seven as my blueprint, we might just end up one day standing before Almighty God and hearing him say, well done. Because in the end, that's all that's going to mean anything to us. All the other areas we sought satisfaction from when we stand before God, we will have cursed those things if we could. But it's too late. We want to hear well done, and we'll hear well done by being rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. Why? Because we grew beyond ignorance. Let's not ignore who God says we're supposed to be. Let's not ignore what God wants us to know. And let's apply ourselves to live a life in him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.